Hi, I'm Edwards Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you ever feel intimidated by Mary? You know, as Catholics, we love the Blessed Virgin Mary. We have feast days. We pray the rosary. We honor her, of course. We recognize what an amazing woman she was in salvation history. And yet, sometimes we might feel a little intimidated by her. She's so perfect. And at least I know for me, I, I know how imperfect I can be. You know, here, here's a woman who never sinned. She never failed. She never made a mistake. She was perfect. I mean, just think about this. Just imagine if you if you knew her. This is someone that never lost her temper. She was never jealous, never gossiped, never spoke ill of others. She was never impatient. She was never, uh, never someone that talked back to her parents. She never was critical of her spouse or frustrated with her spouse. She was always grateful. She always had words of honor and gratitude toward others. She never had an impure thought. She never fell into discouragement. She never got into envy. This is a person that was never selfish. She lived totally for others, totally for God, totally for her husband, Joseph, for her family, for her people in her community, and certainly for the son she was blessed with, Jesus. Mary was perfect. You know, the Catholic faith right here, we celebrate this this week. In the church, we have the great solemnity of Mary's immaculate conception. And this wonderful dogma proclaims that Mary was conceived without original sin. She was conceived full of grace, and she remained faithful to those graces all throughout her life. But that doesn't mean she wasn't human. I think sometimes we as Catholics can put Mary on, on such a high pedestal that we could forget that she was human. She was one of us. Now, I want to be clear. Don't get me wrong. She, she deserves to be on a high pedestal, the, the highest one in the entire human family, right? You know, she, she was the, the best of us. She was the one that was preserved from, from sin, from corruption, from impurity. She was the faithful one, perfectly faithful. And yet, she was human. We actually can relate to her still. Did you know that? I don't know if you ever have trouble relating to Mary, but today is the church is getting ready to celebrate this week, the feast, the great solemnity of Mary's immaculate conception. I want to bring Mary close to us. I want us to see that she was someone that went through many of the joys and struggles and sufferings that, that we go through. She experienced many joys that we experience in human family life, friendships, relationships. She also experienced some of the, the trials that can come in those relationships. She had moments in her life where she was misunderstood, moments when she was uh, maybe looked down upon, moments when she was forgotten, not treated well. Do you ever have moments like that in your life? So yes, Mary was perfect, but it doesn't mean she wasn't human. Do you ever have moments of darkness? Moments when you're not sure what's happening? Moments when you don't understand? Sometimes I think we could look at Mary and say, oh, well, she had it all figured out. She had it all together. So every, you know, she had all the answers. Now, don't get me wrong. She had extraordinary revelations, unique graces. She was given more understanding than anyone else. And yet, she still had to walk by faith and not by sight. So even though Mary, we celebrate this week in the church with the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, even though she was the Immaculata, she was so beautiful, so perfect, I want us to remember that she was also one of us. And that gives us hope 
because we could see that in the midst of her trials, her sufferings, her sorrows, her disappointments, in the midst of her uncertainties and, and, and lack of clarity in life, in the midst of all of that, she responded faithfully. She went through what we went through, and yet she was faithful. And I think this is the, what the dogma is really all about. The Immaculate Conception isn't just to put Mary on a pedestal and just leave her up there. No, no, it's to show us, look, this is what we're, we're called to. What God did in Mary, he wants to do in all of us. Now, we're, it's going to happen differently because we have original sin. She didn't. Our, our, our nature's wounded and we're going to struggle in ways that she didn't. And yet, what we see what God did in her is a sign the church teaches is it's an eschatological sign of the great salvific work he wants to do in all of our lives. And it gives us hope. We can look at Mary and see she was faithful. And we can see that God did amazing things in her. She, he filled her with grace. And, and she becomes so perfect in love. And what God did in Mary, he wants to do in us. And it's going to look a little differently because we struggle with original sin. But the same pathway, the same destination of reaching heaven and being a saint. That's that that happened to Mary in an instant and she remained faithful to that all throughout her life. It's going to happen to us through a long series of, of struggles and falls and going to confession and getting back up again. But Mary reminds us we can do it. And and she's praying for us. And that's what we're going to celebrate this week in the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. And that's what we're going to talk about in this week's podcast. So welcome to the All Things Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and I want to give a special warm welcome to any new listeners joining us, especially anyone new from, from my parish down here in South Denver. I was blessed to be at the Men's Advent Retreat at my parish, St. Thomas More in Centennial, Colorado. We spent uh, the Saturday morning together looking at the life of a disciple, growing deeper in prayer, deeper in virtue, and most especially finding our transformation as men in the Holy Eucharist. Uh, a great topic as the churches in the United States, at least, is getting ready for this big Eucharistic revival and a Eucharistic Congress coming up in, in July. So I was blessed to be with those men. I want to give a shout out to anyone in Columbus, Ohio. If you are anywhere in central Ohio, come come visit me later this week because I'm going to be in your city, in your diocese. I'm going to be speaking at St. Andrew Parish on Wednesday, December 6th, and then I'll be at Immaculate Conception Parish on Thursday, December 7th. So I'll be doing some Advent talks. Uh, anyone's welcome to join us on those days. So this Wednesday, Thursday, December 6th and 7th at St. Andrew's Parish and then Immaculate Conception Parish there in Columbus, Ohio. And then I will be in Melbourne, Pennsylvania for the Immaculate Conception Men's Conference uh, that's going to be that weekend uh, coming up here December 8th and 9th this Friday and Saturday. Hope to see you if you are in the Philly area or in the uh, central Ohio area, please come up. Uh, and I always love to get a chance to meet the listeners of the podcast, so please come up and say hi. Now, I know everyone's getting busy and they're starting to make their Christmas plans and they're starting to maybe even think about the new year that's coming around the corner. And, you know, the new year is a great time for New Year's resolutions. And I want to encourage you all on a great New Year resolution. I, it's a resolution I I challenged you all earlier this fall. You can do it any time of year. You could do it in Lent. You could do it in Advent. But I think with January 1st coming up, a great time to jumpstart your prayer life. If you want to go deeper in prayer, really make a commitment to pray every day. 
the 30-day prayer challenge I've been inviting many people to here over the last uh, few, few months as my new book has come out called When You Pray, Trust, Surrender, and the Transformation of Your Soul. It has 30 short reflections that you can use in prayer. Now, we say it's not a book just about principles about prayer and how to pray. It's primarily a book that one uses in prayer. It's a book that you take to the chapel or you take to your prayer time, and it has reflections from the saints. So short little insights from the wisdom of the saints that you can chew on, you can talk to the Lord about to enrich your prayer life so that you can allow your life to be led more by God and not yourself It'll be a wonderful thing to do in this next year to say, Lord, I, I want my life to be truly led by you. I'm, I'm too often clinging to my own plans, leading my own life according to what I want to do. And I'm Catholic and I believe in you and I go to the sacraments and I fill my mind with good Catholic content. But I know, Lord, I don't truly surrender everything to you. Having a daily prayer life, daily quiet time in prayer is so important for helping change our hearts so that our hearts can be led more by God and not by ourselves. So if I want to give the best to my God and the best to my spouse and to my children and to my friends and my my fellow parishioners and uh, people in my community, if I want to give the best to myself, I I want my life to be led by Jesus. Because I know the best of myself isn't me. It's ultimately Christ working through me. And he works through me primarily in that time of prayer. Yes, in the sacraments and of course in the Mass, but the sacraments and the Mass, those real graces I receive will not bear as much fruit in my life if if I don't have a daily interior life, that quiet time for meditation, that basic form of prayer that the saints all point to as the foundation for our spiritual life. Uh, And so as we're getting ready, you know, coming out of the Christmas season and thinking ahead to the new year, I want to just encourage you, again, if if my book's helpful, use my book, but you can use The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. You can use the Magnificat Reflections if you like that. Use whatever is is helpful for you, but, but commit to 30 days. Start January 1st and commit for 30 days every day, carving out 20 minutes for prayer. And if you're just getting started, maybe 15. If that 20 minutes sounds too intimidating, go with at least 15. But, but I think 20 to 30 minutes is ideal for a, a, any ordinary Catholic to have that quiet time with the Lord. Um, and, and if it is helpful for you or helpful for your family or others, you can check out my book, uh, When You Pray. I mentioned this a, a couple weeks ago. It's available on Amazon finally. It's been with Ascension Press since, I think, August or so. Uh, but Amazon has finally got it stocked and ready to go. You can order it, get free shipping if you have Amazon Prime. So if that's an easy way you like to do Christmas gifts and all, you, you can check it out there as well. Again, it's called When You Pray. Pray by Edward Sri. Uh, trust, surrender, and the transformation of your soul. Now, there was one soul that was transformed in an instant, and that was Mary's soul. And, and that's what we're, we're getting ready to celebrate this week. We're getting ready to celebrate that great solemnity of Mary's Immaculate Conception. Now, just a quick review here, a couple, a couple of key points here. First of all, what, what is the doc, dogma all about? This is one of the four Marian dogmas. Do you know the four Marian dogmas? Mary was the mother of God, not just the mother of the human Christ, but the mother of God who became man in her womb. She is the ever-virgin, the one who conceived the Christ child as a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit and remained a virgin all throughout her life. The third one is that Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven at the end of her earthly life. 
But the fourth one, which is actually, I would put the, in the order, is number one, because it's the first one to, to, be, to be unfolded, and that is Mary's immaculate conception. What is this dogma? It, the dogma is that Mary was, was conceived without original sin. So it's not about Mary and how she gave birth to Jesus. It's more and not even about how she conceived the Christ child in her womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not what this dogma is about. This dogma of Mary's Immaculate Conception is about Mary's own conception in her mother's womb. She was conceived full of grace without original sin. In other words, she had the life of grace dwelling within her. In the end, that's that's what original sin is really just a it's, it's a lack of grace. God intended us to have uh, his uh, his life fill us. He intended us to be united with him, but because our first parents lost that great gift, which the Catechism calls original holiness, that original union we had with God, the divine life dwelling within us, we lost that. Adam and Eve lost that, and so when they pass on human nature, they just pass on natural human life, but not the supernatural life. And so we all have the stain of original sin, which is actually a privation. It's a lack of something. It's a lack of that grace. Uh, and, that, and, that's, and because we have that lack of grace, we're, our, our nature is wounded. We, we have concupiscence. We have a tendency towards sin, a tendency towards selfishness. Mary didn't have that. From the moment of her own conception in her own mother's womb, Mary was full of grace. She had that fullness of, of, of divine life dwelling within her. So that's the dogma. Now, why, why do we have this dogma? What, what, what is its purpose? Why would God do this? Why would God just pick one person to get this extraordinary gift of, of, of being full of grace and not having original sin? Well, it's not as much about Mary as much as it is about the child that Mary's going to carry in her womb. The God knows she's going to be the mother of the Savior. And so, well, God certainly can can enter into this world and in any way he wants it's quite fitting the church has taught that that he would dwell in the womb of a woman who is without sin a pure and holy temple a, a spotless ark of the covenant carrying god's god's holy presence within her the divine son of god who became the son of man taking on her very flesh dwelling within her womb so this, this dogma about Mary's Immaculate Conception is all about preparing Mary. Why did God give Mary this gift of being free from original sin, being full of grace? It was to prepare her to be that holy vessel, that holy tabernacle, to house God himself. So, so the dogma is really about pointing not so much to Mary, but more to the child Mary's going to carry in her womb. So if you want to love Jesus more and you want to appreciate who Jesus is, the dogma of the Immaculate Conception really helps us do that. It's not about Mary. It's, it's prim- well, I mean, it is, but it's primarily, primarily about Jesus, pointing to how this child in Mary's womb is no ordinary child, but the Holy Son of God. And he's, it's fitting that he would dwell in this pure, spotless vessel the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Immaculate One. So he gave her that great gift. He didn't have to do it that way, but it's fitting that he did. It's beautiful that he did. Is this just pious Catholic devotion that that leads us to the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception? Well, I mean, it is pious and is very devotional, but there is actually some biblical support for this. At the Annunciation, when the Blessed Virgin Mary hears the angel Gabriel speak to her, those opening words, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. I don't know if you know this, but the Greek word in Luke one twenty eight for full of grace, it's the Greek word kakaritomene, 
which describes an action that began in the past and continues to have its effects in the present. So the angel isn't just saying, hey, you who happen to be full of grace right now, or you who are about to receive some awesome grace. No, no, it, it implies that she already has the life of grace within her. If you wanted to give a very literalistic translation here, you could say, hail you who have been and continue to be graced. That, that's what this Greek word actually means. You already have grace. You already have the life of God dwelling within you. And this word for grace is used elsewhere in the New Testament, like the reading we're going to hear at Mass on the solemnity comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. It'll talk about this grace, same grace that Mary has, is a grace that brings forgiveness of sins. It brings redemption. It, it makes someone a child of God. So this isn't just like nice favor. This is the the the, the transformative life of God dwelling within her. And the angel recognizes that long before he got there, that life-transforming life of God that brings redemption, that makes one a child of God, was already dwelling in Mary. So there's a lot of biblical support for seeing Mary as the Immaculate Conception. But that being said, we can't forget that even though she was given these unique graces, she's still one of us. Somebody might wonder, well, if Mary didn't have original sin, she doesn't struggle like we do. You know, she doesn't, she's not tempted like, like we are. So is she not, not human? Is she really human then if, if, if she didn't have the same struggles we, we go through? She didn't have original sin. Maybe she's not human. No, she's, she's human. Now, granted, she had unique graces. It was easier for her, but she still experienced suffering. She still experienced darkness. She still experienced uncertainty. She didn't have all the answers all the time. Again, I, I believe she understood better than anybody else. She had more answers than anyone else, given her unique revelations from angels and, and prophets and, uh, and the unique graces that were given her. But she still had to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to close by giving just three quick examples where we can see her humanness. And so when we celebrate her Immaculate Conception, you don't forget how she was one of us. For example, let me ask you this question. Do you ever have moments in your life where you feel troubled? Where you're afraid? Did you know that Mary experienced those same kind of things? The Bible makes it very clear in Luke 1. 29, Mary was greatly troubled at the saying of the angel and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. She was troubled. The angel had to say to her, do not be afraid. Do you have moments when you're afraid, when you're troubled? Turn to Mary. Now, what Mary does, she responds beautifully, faithfully to those fears. She doesn't allow those fears to control her, but she did experience that kind of trouble in her life. We won't get into all the details of what she's troubled by. The angel comes and says some words that would be troubling. She, she's getting a sense that she's being called on some big mission. I think that's one of the key things here, uh, that God is calling her to something. She doesn't know what that is yet, and she's troubled. What does this mean? Where's my life going? Will I have what it takes? Uh, you know, Those are normal, natural uh, emotions. When, when you are called to do something that's hard, maybe you're called to apologize to someone. Maybe you're being called to, to, to make a change, to give up something. Maybe you're being called 
to do something at your parish that you've never done before and you're, you're being called on mission and you're scared, you're a little nervous, do I have what it takes? Or maybe you're being called to a change in your career or a, a call to, to treat a, a certain family member differently uh, and you're just used to having a certain relationship with this person. Now you got to change how you're going to relate to them. And all these things could be troubling. We could be afraid. What does this mean? Where's my life going? What's going to happen? Mary had those feelings. But the difference between Mary and us is how she responded to being troubled. She remained faithful, trusting God. She talks to God. She takes her troubles to God. That's one of the biggest things we see in Luke one twenty nine, where it says that, that Mary considered in her mind the greeting. And the word for considered, I've pointed out in other episodes, you can go back and look at this one. Maybe a couple of years ago, I did something on just on this verse from Luke one twenty nine. But Mary considers in her mind the greeting of the angel. And the word considered is from the Greek word dialogetzeto, which is where we get the word dialogue in English. And Pope Benedict once pointed out that when the Bible says in Luke 129 that Mary considered in her mind, she dialogues in her mind. She's, Pope Benedict highlights that she's talking to God. She's dialoguing with God. She takes those troubles immediately to the Lord. It's like second nature. Okay, Lord, what does this mean? Uh, I'm a little troubled by this. I'm not sure where this is going, uh, but I, I trust you. Lord, enlighten me. Help me to see. What is it that you're you're asking of me here, Lord? She takes her troubles to the Lord. And I think too often, at least I can say for my own life, when I experience some trouble, whether it's just bad news or fear about what's happening at my parish or in the workplace or with one of my kids, you know, and whenever I have, have trouble, I, I don't always have a dialogue. I, I go to monologue. I start talking in my own head. Oh no, what does this mean? What are people going to think? How am I going to handle this? How do I solve this problem? What are we going to, what's it going to take? And I'm, I'm having a monologue where I'm trying to do Edward Sree problem solving. <laughs> Mary didn't do Mary of Nazareth problem solving. She turned to the Lord. Luke one twenty nine. she dialogued with God. She went to the Lord in prayer. So you see, she's human. She experienced human emotions natural emotions. And we should experience those things. Like Jesus, you know, when he's in the garden and he's getting ready to, you know, to, to die the next day, he's going to be betrayed and scourged and crucified. He's sweating drops of blood. He's not just stoic and going, oh, well, okay, it's God's will. It's intense. He's saying, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass. So Jesus experienced human emotions, but he doesn't allow those emotions to control him because he says, right, Lord? He says, but not my will, may your will be done. He unites his will to the Father's will. It's always perfectly united to the Father's will. He's just acknowledging that this is going to be hard. Mary has these human emotions about the uncertainty of what the angel may be calling her to. She's a little uncertain about the future. She has fears about what the future might uh, might be, but she doesn't have those fears to control her. And how does she avoid that? She talks to God. She dialogues with God. I think that's one of the best places to go to, uh, to, to take a look at, at Mary's humanness. What do you do when you're troubled, when you feel overwhelmed, when you're anxious and worried about the future? Do you turn those troubles to the Lord like Mary did? I, I love this balance between she was perfect, but she was human. She struggled. And, and, and in the midst of those struggles, what did she do? The faithful response was to dialogue with God, to take it to the Lord to bring it to the Lord in prayer. If I had more time, I would want to highlight how Mary didn't was not someone that had everything all figured out. As, as much as she knew more than anyone else, 
she didn't have all of the answers. It's clear in Luke chapter 2, the Bible makes clear that there were times when Mary did not understand. And all she could do is just keep and ponder these things in her heart. So I'll just throw that out there. Is there something going on in your life right now where you don't understand? You're wondering, why is this happening? Where is this going? What does this mean? What's the next step in my life? Where's my, where's my life going? What's happening with one of my kids or what's going to happen with my job? Or We, we don't know the future. If, if you have moments like that, know that Mary was there too. Mary had times like, like at, at the nativity when she shows up in Bethlehem and she's not treated well and has to give birth to this child in these horrendous conditions of poverty. And she has to put this baby in a manger and no one from the leadership of Israel comes out to welcome this child. And that would have been very hard for Mary. Why am I being treated this way? Why is my son being treated this way? Nine months ago, the angel told me this was supposed to be the great king. And how come Herod isn't here falling on his knees before this child as he should? How come the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the chief priests, why weren't they all here? Why, why is this child being treated so poorly? We have to put the baby in this feeding trough for the animal. St. John Paul II said that this would have been a great sorrow for Mary. It would have been hard for any mom to put a baby in that trough where the goats were just eating out of. <laughs> but Mary has the added burden of knowing this isn't any ordinary child. This is the Holy Son of God. And what does Mary do in those times where she doesn't understand? She keeps and she ponders. Again, it, it, she, she lives interiorly. She trusts God. That expression to keep and ponder describes someone that has something mysterious unfold in their life. They're not sure what it means. But once again, they, they, they turn it to the Lord. It's like they're spiritually, prayerfully mulling it over. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What is it that you're trying to show me through this? And that's what I want to encourage you with is whatever burden you're carrying right now, whatever fear you might have about the future, you're not sure on an uncertain situation in your life, be like Mary, keep and ponder it in your heart. Trust the Lord. Tell the Lord, Lord, I don't get this. I don't see it. I don't understand, but I trust you. I trust you, Lord. Show me your way. Show me how I'm supposed to respond. Give me the, the strength to carry this cross, Lord. I don't understand, I don't see, but I trust you. That's what it means to keep and ponder and ask the Lord, Lord, what, 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 what are you trying to show me through this? How are you trying to help me through this? What, what's my next step? How are you inviting me to grow? What's the work you want to do on the inside of my life? Talk to the Lord about that. I think that's one of the things we see about Mary's Immaculate Conception. It doesn't make her this great superhero with all these spiritual powers. It makes her more interior. So when she faces the uncertainties and the darkness of this world, when she faces the unknown, when she faces fears, troubles, she lives interiorly according to those graces. She dialogues with God. She keeps and ponders, asks the Lord for strength, trusts the Lord. And we see this most especially on the cross. And that's the last point I'll make is that the cross she gives up everything. She surrenders completely to the Father's plan. And, and, and that would be hard again for any, any mom. Mary had the extra burden of knowing, knowing just how, uh, what was happening, the atrocity of the murder of the Holy Son of God. <laughs> and that, that just adds the extra pain that she experienced, and yet she surrenders to this, trusting that this is all part of the Father's plan. She trusts those words of her son 
even is is it would be so painful. You think about Mel Gibson's film, you think about Mary there at the cross, how painful that was for her. And yet she still trusts. She trusts that this is a part of the father's plan, the plan of salvation. She trusts that she's going to get her son back. And and she does three days later. And so Mary again goes through all the sorrows, all the uncertainties, all the unknowns, all the fears, all the troubles like we do. But she responds interiorly, turning to prayer, turning to dialogue with God, keeping and pondering and trusting and surrendering. So while we celebrate the great solemnity and we celebrate those magnificent, unique graces she was given, let's also celebrate how those graces came alive through these very human struggles that we struggle with in this world. And we have access to the life of grace through prayer, through the sacraments. And so let us pray as we are celebrating the great solemnity of Mary's Immaculate Conception, that we can walk in her footsteps, that we could be faithful to the graces we receive and live interiorly to face the troubles, the trials, the darkness, the uncertainty in our own lives. Mary, the Immaculate One, pray for us. Thanks so much for listening, my friends. And again, if you want to check out that book that could be helpful for your prayer life, to live that interior life, a life led by God like Mary did, uh, commit to a 30-day prayer challenge at the beginning of the new year. I really want to encourage you, if you haven't done that before, where you set aside just time every day, 15, 20 minutes for quiet time in prayer. And you can check out my book on that on that very theme. It's called When You Pray, Trust, Surrender, in the Transformation of Your Soul, available at ascensionpress.com, also available on Amazon. Thanks and God bless. 